0: You can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The feed hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com.
1: Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast brought to you by Arrowhead Land Company. Here, you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight because here we go. What's up, folks? My name is John Hutzpith, and this is the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast. I hope you guys are doing well, and I hope y'all are having a much more successful, uh, I don't know if it's quite spring yet, late winter, early spring than I am. Uh, Once again, I did not make it out to the ranch last weekend. Um, Yeah, we've just had a ton going on. My wife and I took a trip. My entire family went skiing last week, which was awesome. Uh, I've had work stuff. My wife has had stuff. I was planning to go this coming weekend. But it looks like it's just going to rain all weekend, and my wife has some stuff. So if I am going to go, I'd have to take my daughter, and I just don't want to have my year-and-a-half-old daughter out there in the rain you know, all weekend. She's not quite old enough for that. And so, yeah, all that to say, big fat excuses of why I'm not out there. It's killing me. Um, I hope you guys are out there doing some postseason scouting, uh, getting ready to do some burning maybe. Uh, scouting out some you know food plots for this spring, just doing something uh, to be out there. Oh shed hunting! Yeah, I've I've seen some uh, some posts of people finding sheds already. Um, y'all probably heard me talk in the past. I I usually don't start finding any sheds around our place till I mean at the earliest late February. Usually not until March. Um, so it's a little early for me still, but uh, it looks like people are some are you know finding some success already. And uh, yeah, because I haven't really. Got to do anything outdoorsy lately. I really don't have much to talk about in this intro, so, um, so they to just yabbering on about nothing. We'll just kind of go ahead and move into the episode, so we got a good one this week. We got a guy named Bryson on, and he had a heck of a season here in Oklahoma, filled both his buck tags uh, as well as a couple doe tags, I believe. And uh, just two really cool bucks he tagged. Uh, The first one is a super old, mature buck that he had a little bit of history with. And then the second buck is a big buck with a really cool story. Um, And I don't want to ruin it for you guys, so I'm just going to wait and let Bryson tell it. Um, So yeah, that's what we got in store for you guys this week. I hope you guys enjoy it. I hope you guys have a lot of awesome spring plans coming up. And I hope you are more active than I've been le- lately. So I'm going to try to change that, but uh, that's a story for another day. So that's going to be do it for this intro. We're going to go ahead and just get into the episode with Bryson, and we'll get into that right now. Hey, everybody, welcome to today's show. And today we're talking to Bryson Ziegler. Is that correct, Ziegler? Ziegler, yes, sir. Ziegler. Ah, I just asked you how to pronounce it, and I feel like I got it wrong. So. <laughs> no, anyway, well, I'm just going to call you. I'm just going to call you Bryson from now on, so we won't, we won't have to worry about that last name, but uh, but man, Bryson, how you doing today?
0: I'm doing great, man, doing great. How about you? Good,
1: good. Oh, not too bad. Uh, we've been trying to track each other down for about a month now. Uh, I reached out to you, I think right before Christmas, and we were just trying to get on the same page, and then the holidays came, and so I'm glad we finally worked it out to have you on today.
0: I'm glad to be here, man. It's it was definitely tough, you know, getting both of our schedules lined up. I got pretty busy too and deer season wasn't quite over and I was just running and gunning.
1: Yeah, yeah. well man that's what we're here to talk about today because uh i I think i stumbled across your page uh via oklahoma bow hunter and uh it looked like you had one heck of a 2023 season and so that's what i want to talk to you about today but before we go uh too far i want to, to, to pump the brakes here just a second and uh real quick why don't you just tell everybody a little bit about yourself
0: um my name's bryson uh i'm from uh eastern oklahoma born and raised uh been hunting my whole life. I mean, I think I killed my first two deer when I was five years old, and it's just been a nonstop thing ever since. I've been addicted to it, I guess you could say, and absolutely love it. And that' all I can think about. All I want to eat, sleep, and breathe.
1: Well, yeah, man. Like I said, it looked like you uh, you bagged, I believe, two nice, solid Oklahoma bucks this year. And so I'm going to kind of give the reins over to you now and uh, just kind of let you tell, talk about them a little bit. Um, you know, do you have any history with these deer? Do you kind of find them coming into the season? And uh, I'll just, I'll just, like I said, give you the range and let you take off.
0: I got you. Yeah, I know, man. Uh, <clears throat> both deer, um, I had a little over both of them actually three years of history with um, my the first one that I killed this year, Ace. Um, I had I'd seen that deer three years ago in February, probably half a mile from where I killed him. And uh I seen him one day when we we're out coyote hunting. I drove by and I seen fifteen, twenty does in a field, a few little bucks, and I looked back and he was a seven point at that time and I think I wanna say he was four and a half and um uh, I seen him and I was like, Man, that's gonna be a good deer one day. Well, you know, fast forward last year, um, I had him on camera and I ended up killing his running buddy um, which he wasn't that big. His running buddy was bigger. I I killed him the second day of bow and he went one forty eight and some change as a uh, typical eight point. He had a kicker coming off his right G two and uh kind of, you know, lost hope about him, kinda of forgot about him, shot another, you know, decent deer, first deer I ever rattled in. Fast forward to summer and that deer was on the top of my priority list I was just convinced that he was going to do something awesome and he did I mean he was a super unique deer his uh main beams bent down and I've never seen a deer in person actually do that and uh I found him I think in I want to say July is when I think I started watching him and every day after work I got off I was going out there and glassing him from the road or hiking out in this bean field and just setting up and watching him and filming him and uh you know he was at the top of my priority list and I had you know I was like well I've got two buck tags so I might as well you know keep an eye out for another good deer and lo and behold I seen moose which last year he was a typical 10 point I mean nothing special Uh, just a clean deer and I seen him in the same field that I first ever or first found him in Uh, he was out there on his regular summer routine and I seen him and I was looking at him and I was like he didn't do at like what I thought he was going to do at all I mean he was just he I could tell he had something going on but he still had all that velvet on and he just looked really heavy I mean couldn't tell any of the palmation, any of the extra points, nothing like that. And it was just, uh, I seen him and he took off running and that was like the last good view I had of him for a couple months. So I just kind of brushed him off, you know, and threw him under the table and wasn't really worried about it. And, uh, I went and I started, uh, you know, really focusing on ace and, Lo and behold, I think that deer was super patternable the year before last year. And he was super patternable. He was there all at clockwork at my feed. And I was hunting right up against a big bedding area. I think it was like sixty acres of bedding, just nothing but briars and little persimmon saplings and stuff. And it butted up to a bean field. And I had permission, I had gotten permission to a hay meadow that butted up to the bean field and the bedding, and that's where I killed his running buddy the previous year, and uh, I went out there, and, you know, like clockwork, you know, as planned, he was just consistent every evening, every evening, every evening, just there, daylight, 30 minutes of daylight, left to spare, and I kept telling my buddy, uh, I was like, man, I was like, we're going to be able to tell what he's going to do once that velvet comes off in September. I was like, they're always a different animal when that velvet's on them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, uh, man, lo and behold, I thought he was going to change, or stay the same. Honestly, I really did, just with how consistent he was. Um, but he didn't. He, uh, he actually went up MIA for, like, I want to say a week and a half, and I thought, because we deal with poachers really bad around here, and, uh, I was just like somebody shot him you know with a night vision or a thermal or something like that or spotlight you know we didn't know and I think it was I want to say the first it was the day before opener he showed up on camera like 3 a.m and I was like oh my gosh he's alive still and I was just stoked and I knew he wasn't you know gonna score a whole lot but he was just a really mature gear and that's what I was targeting this year was just mature deer. I, I didn't care. It, it could have been a forked horn. If he was seven years old, I was going to kill him. Mm-hmm. But, uh, man, he uh, he gave me the runaround for a couple weeks. And uh, I'd never killed a deer in the morning time until this year. Well, I hadn't killed many deer in the morning time till this year. And I went out one morning. He daylighted, I want to say three days before I killed him that morning. And I was like, he's got to be there. I was like, he, I was like, he's got to be doing something. I gave it a day and I gave it another day, nothing, nothing. And I was like, he's going to be there these next couple of days. So I went in, I put a ground blind up in the corner of the property and Slipped in one morning, probably an hour and a half, two hours before daylight, just because that bean field like is right beside me. And I didn't want to be busting deer, slipping in there right at first light. And um, lo and behold, I slipped in there and I had two little bucks come out was, or they were there on my corn 20 minutes before daylight, 30 minutes before daylight. And uh, I could hear beans moving behind me and I only had my blind cracked a little bit. And uh, I was sitting there playing on my phone and I just kind of glanced over and I heard him, I heard a deer jump the fence and I glanced over and there he is. I mean, 30 yards. I was like, oh my gosh. And this deer came in perfect. I think he was 15 yards, 15, 20 yards, drew back, touched it off and my luminok didn't work and i was like oh my gosh well i was shooting one of them nocturnal knocks and they're great knocks Mm -hmm. but i shot him and as soon as my arrow hit him it was right at first light too so i mean it was already kind of hard to see and as soon as my arrow hit him i heard it hit him but my knock turned off and i was like oh no so i had no clue where i hit him and he took off and he was running really hard and i was like he's got to be dead i was like i know he is so i just sat there for probably another hour and a half two hours and uh and,
1: sorry what what's the date on this uh
0: i think it was october 13th or well no it might have been the 15th hold on just one second
1: so I mean it, it that's all right middle of October morning hunt, what most people would call the middle of the October lull, and most people would say never hunt a morning in October exactly. and uh, here you are here you are here, arrowing a seven and a half year old deer that's it, that just goes to show there are no hard and fast rules in this in hunting to me, you know like oh yeah, each deer is an individual, and uh sometimes you got to throw that rule book away to to get it done. Yeah, man, and I just –
0: I mean, honestly, its I've heard of the lull, you know, and a lot of people tell me, like, oh, don't hunt the lull, don't hunt the lull, just stack your – you know, stack your – I don't even know, your chips or whatever. And I was Mm -hmm. like, man, that's not like me. If I can hunt, I'm going to go hunt. I mean, them guys, they've got a lot of time to hunt, and uh, a guy that uh, I watch – on, uh, YouTube that taught me how to hunt, you know, bedding and stuff. Uh, Dan Infault, he has a lot of great, great content on hunting deer and bedding areas or close to bedding areas. And, uh, man, that's what I just did. I went with my gut and I was like, I think I'm within a hundred yards of him bedding or I think he's bedding a hundred yards within me, you know, of my feed site. And, uh, I went in there and I mean, it just came together, like, it was written down in the book, man. I mean, it was perfect. And, uh, lo and behold, after I, uh, waited a couple hours, I got out, walked and in a hay meta. I don't know. I know you've cracked deer in a hay meta before blood trailed them. And if it, if they ain't dumping, it's tough. <laughs> it is tough. Yeah. But, uh, I was walking and I was walking down the edge of the property line and I was
1: like, man, I was like, I don't
0: think he crossed over. And I was getting ready to call, uh, my buddy with a drone, I was getting ready to call, them, you know, the neighbors and ask them if I could go retrieve my deer. And I look up and he's laying probably 150 yards down the fence line. Hmm. And I didn't even, I didn't even know he went down the fence line. I mean, it was just because when I hunt out of a ground blind, I like barely cracked my windows mm-hmm. and, uh, I just had it open enough to where I could shoot. And as soon as I shot him, I just couldn't believe it happened. I leaned back and I'm sitting there freaking out trying to get my phone up to call my dad and call my buddies and tell him what happened. And, uh, he ran right down the fence line and he died. I think maybe 80 yards from where his buddy died last year. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was the coolest thing ever. I mean, two deer, the exact same spot running buddies, you know, especially. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it was awesome, man. Yeah. And, uh, got him and we we scored him and i think he came out to 131 and uh great buck i mean just a great deer heck of a heck of a deer and i was super super blessed to kill that deer man and put a lot of time and effort into him and scouting and stuff and you know running trail cameras burning the tires off
1: my truck man it felt like
0: (laughs) yeah yeah i know and
1: nice so sorry just saying we interrupt you one more time so basically two i mean at least two years in a row that you've mentioned you've killed a buck in the first i mean two weeks of the season it sounds like is there something that you think that maybe you do differently than other people don't because i i personally struggle early season um this year i killed a buck october 5th i think and that was the first buck i have ever killed uh early season I, you know, I've killed one or two like at the very end of October yeah um, but I, I really struggle personally in early October um, do you think it's just kind of the setup that you have you, know, you mentioned beans maybe because you have access to crops or um, what do you think has led to some of your early season success man
0: I'll tell you know I've had people ask me that before and I tell them you know it's just scouting and trying to if you can figure out like that deer ace i figured out i knew exactly where that deer was bedding like i knew i could have went and hung a trail camera on the neighbors if they would have let me and i could have had pictures of him all day long where he day bedded and uh that is probably the biggest thing is just being tight to that bedding area because you know those deer will move and like what people say in the october lull um they're just hunting close to Bedding areas that, or they're hunting, you know, one specific deer on a farm, and that deer might be doing something else. He could be moving, he could be, you know, a mile north of there, a mile south of there. And it was definitely just trying to keep tabs on that deer that helped me kill him a lot. I mean, figuring out where he was bedding, though, was definitely the most important thing. Hmm. Catch gotcha.
1: it. Catch gotcha. it. I just wanted to throw that in there. So. Yeah, right. no. you, you can keep going now. <laughs> I got
0: you. Yeah, no. Uh, after that, I, man, to be 100% honest, I told myself I was like, I'm not shooting anything unless he's big, you know, something big or cool, you know. And I was like, last year I messed up. I shot a, I shot a nice deer, you know, during gun season. I rattled him in, and that was the first year I'd ever rattled in, you know like that i mean he came in on a dead sprint across the wheat field and i was just blown away that it was happening i was like this year is good like he's outside his ears like i'm stoked i'm stoked for this and i shot him but uh i told myself i was like man i gonna be picky this year my dad he told me he's like you put too much time into it not to be so picky and i was like yeah <laughs> i know so man i just i got real picky um I think about it was beginning of black powder. Um, I have another property about, I want to say 30 minutes Southeast of where I killed him. Um, I had another property down there and I don't know if you're familiar with them spy points, but, uh, one of my buddies, he sent me some, he's from, uh, Florida and he comes up and he deer hunts with me every year. And, uh, He sent me some spot points and he's like, man, just run them, try them, you know? He's like, if nothing else, if you don't really like them, at least they're cameras, you know? And I was like, yeah, man. I was like, I'm stoked to, you know, give them a shot. And I put them out and, you know, you can burn a lot of batteries, I guess. You could say running a camera on a corn pile. And uh, so I had it set on like a 12-hour, you know, time period to where it would send me pictures well my buddy calls me it was raining it was it was a nasty day in uh black powder season i don't remember exactly what day it was but it was just a nasty day my buddy called me and he's like i just shot a big one and i was like how big big and he's like 160 170 and i was like i'm on the way and uh my trail camera wasn't sending me pictures until 11 a.m and 11 p.m and uh So I was like, all right, I'm coming, you know, and I'd stopped at a store and I was getting some gas and a drink and as I was in there in checkout line, I got a notification from my trail camera and lo and behold, there's a hundred, I think it was like mid-150s, maybe 160, standing in front of my corn pile, like the entire morning long and i was like oh my and he was there when i got the notification <laughs> at 11 a.m and i was like oh my gosh and i called him and i was like dude there's a stud standing on my corn pile right now i was like i'm gonna go try and kill him and he was like okay and i went out there and snuck in got my stand hung and uh sat there hunted that deer for a week and never seen that deer again he was there for one day and that was it uh i think i have a uh i had a tall kind eight point man he was he was one of the biggest eight points i've ever seen i've got him on my instagram uh he's just a unit of a deer and he's going to be the deer i'm going to be chasing this year actually but uh he was uh he was there with that deer too and i was like I'm wondering if he bullied him off, you know, that's, that's the 10, 15 yards when I was hunting that deer. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, I want to shoot this deer bad, but you know, he's got, I thought he was a four and a half year old, which I still think he is. It's like, I'm going to pass him. And I elected to pass him and, uh, he had a big gash. I could see on his back from where he'd been fighting. And I was like, I guarantee you them two have been scrapping a little bit. And, uh, I think he ended up pushing that deer off because I never seen him again, still hadn't seen him. I'm still running cameras out there. Um, but that eight point, he's still a regular there. And, uh, so I hunted that deer for a couple more days and just kind of gave up on him. And my brother, he went, my stepbrother, he drew in for a special hunt and, uh, over in Tahlequah. And we went up there and. This is where the story kind of gets, you know, to my second buck. Uh we went up there and we hunted for three days at this uh or I think it was two or three day hunt, I can't remember exactly. We go up there, we hunted a couple days, uh we had family pictures one evening. So we packed up camp and left with no success there. We had a few little bucks that we grunted in and stuff, but nothing he wanted to shoot. And uh we go down there <clears throat> get to my dad's lake house and he told me he was like i guess pictures are canceled today our our camera lady she isn't replying and i was like okay (laughs) i was like well i'm gonna go yeah and this is the first of you know the beginning of november so i'm like well i want to go deer hunt and he was like all right he's like well you can go i was like all right so i had my uh me and my stepbrother, he jumped in the truck with me and I took him home and I grabbed my bow. And as I was reaching for my compound, I looked over and I see my dad's recurve. And I was like, you know, I think I'm going to grab that recurve this evening and see if I can't kill a doe. Well, that was the biggest mistake I've ever made in my entire hunting, hunting career. I, I mean to tell you, man, I went out there and I went to a, uh, a small parcel of a private that my uncle owns and uh it's family ground uh I think it's probably maybe 20 acres 20 to 30 acres and man I go in there and I climb up in this tree and I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm there for a doe I mean I'm just glad to be out there I'm just having fun I knew I you know I didn't think there was anything good in there and a doe comes out and this doe comes out and she works she's working right at me and I was like awesome you know I'm gonna get to shoot a doe with this recurve she's gonna end up five yards up right underneath me and I'm gonna shoot her and I'm granted I'm only 10 foot up in the air in a saddle Mm -hmm. and uh I'm sitting there, you know, watching her come to me Well, she angles out wide at like 20 yards and goes all the way around me, make a complete circle around me and then goes back the way she came. So I was like, all right, whatever. I'm sitting there playing on my phone and I hear something back behind me and I'm hunting like right up against the neighbors, probably, I don't know, 50, 60 yards from their fence. And, uh, Cause they had a lot of really, really good bedding, a lot of honeysuckle on them and stuff, and they don't hunt, and I knew I wasn't going to be bothering nobody, you know, stepping on nobody's toes, but uh I'm sitting there up against that bedding area, just kind of watching, and I hear something back behind me, and I turn around, and I look, and I've got my phone in my hand, it's 30 minutes before dark, 40 minutes before dark, I turn around, and I look, man, and all I see is tines, and it's moose, the deer that I had glassed that one time in the summer and he's got all of his velvet off of him and he's just insane. And literally as soon as I seen him, he was looking to the left and then he turned back and he looked and looked, you know, towards me. And I was like, instantly just reached around, grabbed my recurve and I'm sitting there and I'm like, I am so stupid. I am <laughs> the dumbest man. I am the dumbest man in the world right now. And, uh, I was like, all right. I was like, I can I can kill him if he comes within, you know, 15 yards. Well, he comes to 18 yards, and I'm sitting there biting my nails, and I'm like, I'm going to try. I was like, I really do feel confident that I can hit this deer. Man, I draw back, and as I'm coming back, I just let it go. And as soon as I let it go, or as soon as it touched my uh, my anchor point, I let go, felt good, shot right under him, mm-hmm. And I was like, I know, I was like, no. And I watched that deer. He bounded, you know, two good bounds, and he stopped about 30 from me. And he looked around, and there was a persimmon tree where he stopped. And he looked around and then started feeding on persimmons. And I was like, you got to (laughs) be kidding me, man. So here I am watching this stud just eat at this persimmon tree at 30 yards broadside for till dark almost. And then a doe come out, and he ended up bumping her, grunting, chasing her off and i was just sick to my stomach i climbed down as soon as i got to the truck i called dad i was like man i was like i'm dumb i was like (laughs) i should i was like i do not feel the brightest right now and he's like why'd you take my recurve i was like well i didn't think there was a 170 inch deer in here Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. and uh He was like, well, yeah, you know, he's like, you'll kill him. He's like, just stay with him. And I was like, yeah, I will. I was like, I'm going to stay with him as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And uh, where I'd glassed him in the summer, I had literally, a few days after that, I lost permission on it. Mm -hmm. And I was just devastated because I knew that's where he was going. I was probably a mile north of there. And that's the way that he was working to that night. And I was like, Oh my gosh. I was like, why did I do that? And, uh, I'm just sitting there all butt hurt and stuff. And I hunted him a couple more times out there. And I was like, I, I was like, I'm going to just try and start running feed, I guess. And I ran feed on another property. Uh, I think it was
1: just
0: South of there, probably a quarter of a mile. And, uh, I was running feed on a property there and nothing. I mean, didn't have anything, didn't have him hardly. And then I think it was a week later, two weeks later, actually, he started hitting it. I mean, religiously. And of course, the time that I got busy with work, (coughs) excuse me, and uh, I got busy with work never had really the time my buddy from florida came up i was you know hunting with them doing everything i could to help him and his dad get a deer and uh i was like well i'll just stack the cards in my favor just keep hunt, or just keep watching and let my trail camera do all that scouting for me and man uh it sure did i mean it put in a lot of it gave me a lot of intel and Mm -hmm. uh he started coming through later in the later in the night at about three to 4 AM. And I was like, okay. And he was headed back to where I'd missed him. And I was like, okay, I got you now. I got you. I figured out what you're doing. And finally he had, he had busted off his right side too. I think he busted off like eight inches of his right side. And, uh, finally I was just like, I'm going to go back in there tomorrow morning and see if I can kill this deer. Well, the evening before I went and killed him, I was dry. I just got off work and it was right at dark. And I was like, I'm going to go drive over there and see if I can see, you know, any deer or him. And I'm driving down the road and I look over and I see him and I was like, oh my God, he's headed to where I've, you know, videoed him in the summer. And I was like, he's going to be there in the morning. And I mean, honestly, anything could have happened. I mean, mm-hmm. he could have, I could have bumped him or something and it could have changed his direction of travel like nothing. Yeah. And, uh, I was like, Dad it. I was just, you know, really worried that he wasn't going to come back, but something in my gut was telling me like, just be there. Like, if you go you'll kill him Mm -hmm. and uh December 17th I uh I go in there and I was in there probably an hour before daylight climb up in a tree and I'm sitting there I got my compound hang my bow up and I think I was I, I was in the same tree that I missed him out of and uh I'm sitting there playing on my phone and As I'm playing on my phone, it starts getting a little bit lighter, and I put my phone up, and I'm just, I have my binos, and I was just sitting there glassing uh, the direction he should be coming from, and a couple does come out. I think it was three does, a doe and two yearlings, or it might have been two does and a yearling. I think it was two does and a yearling. Two does and a yearling come down the fence line, the property line, and they're walking up to me. And I was watching them and I caught glimpse of something moving behind them. Well, I look behind them or I pull my binos up and I look behind them and lo and behold, here he comes. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And this is also a morning hunt. Yeah, this was a morning hunt. And I'm sitting here telling myself, I was like, if I kill two deer in the morning this year, (laughs) I was like, yeah. And, uh,
1: and,
0: Honestly, in December, uh, that's when I really, really struggle. I run into a lot of problems. You know, deer are still doing their thing, and they're un- I can't really pattern them at that time of year. It's kind of tough, at least. But um, he started coming down the fence line, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, please jump that fence. Please jump that fence. And he's probably 100 yards from me, walking. He's paralleling me. And uh, I was like, just any, I'd give anything in the world if feel will jump it. And the does keep walking and he like looks up. I could hear a car coming down the road and he like sticks his head up. I'm probably 200 yards off the road and uh, lifts his head up, jumps the fence. And he's taking a cow trail right to the base of my tree. And I'm like, there's no way that this is about to happen. And lo and behold, that joker came right down. He cut, there was a gully that I was in. I was above a gully a little bit and he was getting down in that gully to where the cars couldn't see him. And he come down and he's at like 30 and I'm like, I'll shoot you in the chest, dude. Like I got this (laughs) compound and I will shoot you right in the chest. And he turns at like, he comes all the way to 15 yards, turns broadside. I rip my bow back and I'm looking and I look down at my uh, my broadhead, and I don't know. It's just something I always do as I'm drawing back, and I'm drawing back, and I see a G5 Montec in there, and I'm like, oh no! And I'm shooting those mega meat, and I'm yeah. like, oh no, it's my hog era. <laughs> and uh, oh man, I wanted to throw up. I was like, this, I'm just not gonna kill this dude, And uh, I was like, well, if I, you know, put a needle through his lungs, it'd kill him. So. I draw back and stopped him. He looked right up at me, man. I mean, we made eye contact, and I just let it go, punched that trigger. He jumped, mule kick, ran back the way he came, and he went over a little knoll, and there was another ditch over there, and I didn't see him come out of it. And I just, like, I hung my bow up after I seen him go in there, and I I couldn't do anything. I was just set there. I sat there for two and a half hours, man. I didn't even call my dad. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was just in awe that it all happened. And I got down and I looked at my arrow and it was perfect. I mean, perfect lung blood. There's bubbles all over it. I've seen my arrow go in him, you know, double lung him. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, there's no way I killed this deer. Yeah. Top over the hill, I see white belly. And I called all my buddies and I was like, get out here. Get out here. I killed him. And everybody that I knew and knew me knew about this deer that I was hunting. Yeah. And uh, man, it was just, it was awesome. It was a heck of an experience. I had, I had a shed from the previous two years and, uh, I actually tried to kill that deer, uh, three years ago, the first year that I seen him, I wasn't really a horn hunter then. And, uh, luckily I bumped him. It was opening day. I was going in to hunt him on a bean field the bean field that I'd lost permission on Mm -hmm. and I jumped him as I was going in. But, uh, it was pretty crazy, man. It was just, you know, I'd never thought that he was going to do that. Um, that horn structure, everything. I mean, as soon as I seen him though, in the summertime, I was like, that's him 100%. But I was like, I don't know. I guess he just put on a lot of mass. And as I got closer and closer and closer, I'm just like, good Lord, this thing is like giant. And, uh, I grabbed him, I picked him up and I was just like, golly, man, it was, it was surreal. I mean, i fought him my whole life and that was the biggest deer that I'd ever killed. And I was just like, oh my gosh. Like, and it felt awesome, man. Yeah. I will say that, but lots of hard work came to a, uh, fulfilling season. Mm-hmm. Um, it was definitely tough. It was definitely tough. Like, he gave me a run for my money, though. I think it was a month after I missed him, I killed him again.
1: Man, yeah, tracking down and killing a buck that you missed is, that's, you know, not a lot of people get that second opportunity, especially in the same year, you know. Um, Oh, yeah. That's awesome. And then I think one of the things that kind of stuck out to me when I first saw the picture of this deer was. Um, obviously, you know, like you said, he's, he's palmated, he's big, he's huge. But, uh, you know, one thing I talked about a lot all last year was just, we had a really wet spring and then we had a super dry summer and I felt like all the bucks in our area put on a lot of length, but like zero mass. Um, you know, the, yep. the second buck I ended up killing, he, he was super long. He had mass, or I'm sorry, he had length everywhere, but some of like his his brow tines were like as big around as my pinky. Um, and so I just really? thought it was really, Oh yeah. It great. He was old. He was eight and a half years old. Um, but I just thought it was cool that this buck kind of defied those odds and, you know, for whatever reason was still able to put on a ton of mass. Oh man. And it, it gets even crazier. Um,
0: when we were skull flighting that deer skull cap him, um, my buddy that was skull capping for me, he goes, he was like, dude, you got to look at this. And I was like, what is it? Somebody had shot him with a 22 mag
1: or oh, a 22
0: God. short or something right <laughs> below, I think it was an inch below his, the base of his horn. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, uh, I, I don't know if that's what made him throw it. I could see that being the cause of him throwing all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just shocked. I mean, he went from a clean, perfect, 10 point basic 10 point to that and mm. it was super super cool and i uh a couple of my buddies that uh are a little bit more familiar with uh palmated deer they told me they're like their horns are uh on the inside of them they're porous or something mm. and uh he said uh they're real fragile so like he broke off like nothing and uh he told me it's a lot easier to break his rack than it would be you know Mm -hmm. a regular you know pencil rack deer yeah and uh i i thought that was amazing i'd never heard anything like that before and i was just like wow but a lot of our deer like you said uh they didn't put on much i mean they put on some time length but no deer blew up like i thought they were going to except for him yeah was the uh
1: was the bullet still in there just a hole like how could they tell he'd been shot
0: I, yeah, the bullet was lodged in his skull, in wow. the top of the skull plate. I've got pictures of it, man. I'll send it to you. <laughs> yeah, to you. That, that's
1: super interesting. Huh. Very, that's very fair. interesting. But Man, one other thing. Well, I guess two two other things before I let you go. One was just uh, kinda wanna say, I kind of want to say, I guess congratulations, not just on the season, but one thing that you kind of started off with that really hit home was just how you were talking about how you're hunting age, you know, not necessarily size, but age. And I think that's something that, uh, I think it's becoming more common, you know, um, I think, mm. you know, as people learn and learn more about deer management and everything, I think there's a lot more people moving towards that kind of age over size type thing. And, and which obviously is getting more bigger deer out there. Um, and oh, so yeah. yeah, I wanted to definitely praise you on that. And, uh, my second question is, are you going to start practicing with that trad bow a little bit more? Dude, what'd you say? I said, Are you gonna start oh, practicing yeah, with that trad bow a little bit more? Oh yeah. Yeah, I
0: know. Uh I actually ended up killing a doe. Uh I have a recurve and uh my strings were busted on it at the time and that's why I took my dad's. But man, I ended up killing a doe after I got a new set of strings and
1: I'm becoming a lot more a lot more deadly with <laughs> it than what I was. Yeah. Yeah. But, I uh I got a longbow two years ago. And every year I tell myself, like, all right, this is the year I'm gonna, you know, uh, re- really practice with it and use it. And every year I ended up, I ended up carrying it like I don't know two or three times. But just when I got that good buck coming in, it's like, oh, do I really want to risk it with the longbow? And uh, exactly. And I, I, was really determined to kill a doe with it this year. Um, but man, after mm-hmm. after I, well, I, I really, I, I keep going. I mean to go back. I keep track of like how many sits I do. And uh, I was yeah. at like a record low of sits this year. I have a, a one and a half year old baby, and you know working full time and everything, so I just didn't get out there as much. I was lucky to get the two bucks that I got, um, but I just never found time at the end of the year to go out there and, and try to crack a doe with it. And so, but this year, I'm, I'm making a promise in front of you and everybody else. I am going to practice with that thing, and I am going to kill a deer with the longbow. I did. I did get a hog with it this year. Um, That's awesome. But uh, but yeah, I'm I'm determined to kill a deer with that thing. Yeah, man, and I they're they're a blast. I
0: really really enjoyed you know taking it out there with you know and chasing deer with it. And uh, I told myself I was like, if I don't kill you know a buck with it this year, I was like, I'm for sure going to kill a turkey this spring with one. Yeah. So yeah. I am I'm definitely going to tote that with me this spring.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had somebody that, uh, they were on the show, I don't know, a couple months ago, and they said, if you really want to kill a buck with a longbow, you got to sell your compound. <laughs> and <that's>, that, seems, <laughs> that seems about right. I don't know if I'm quite to that point yet, but uh, yeah, it's just so much more convenient. Like I said, especially, you know, if, you, if you're if you super confident that that buck you're after is going to be there, it's real easy to grab that compound.
0: But. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. And I tried talking to myself. I told my dad right after I missed him. I was like, I want to get that, you know, my recurve back going and go back after him. He's like, I won't he's like, No. <laughs> so I was like, all right, all
1: right. Yeah. But yes, yeah. yeah, there you go. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, uh, Bryson, heck of a job. Um, before I let you go though, any, you know, obviously you've been very successful the last couple of years, any just random Tip or trick or advice you want to give to somebody out there listening that uh, you know maybe something's just helped you be so successful.
0: Uh, summertime scouting. Uh, get in your truck one evening. You and your buddies get in the truck. Go drive around. Go look at them bean fields. Go look at any ag fields, hay meadows. Uh, I've seen a lot of really good deer in hay meadows uh, in the summertime, which is kind of odd. Uh, look at those hay meadows. Look at any open fields. You know, right before dark you can find really, really, you can find a lot more deer than you think you can that you don't know about in those bean fields. Just driving around, you know, driving dirt roads and looking around. And one thing that I will say uh, that's helped me get on a lot of big deer is, you know, you want to get those bigger parcels to hunt. And I've been telling all my buddies this for the past couple of years. I'm like, you know, y'all are going after like 400 acre parcels. Like, I'm eating on breadcrumbs over here and thriving (laughs) off of it, you know, 20 acre to a hundred acre parcels. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's just, man, I, I think with that, those smaller parcels, they're a lot easier to gain permission on gain access. And if you're in the right spot and close enough to them, you can kill them. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's, that's great advice. That's definitely something that I've, been interested interested in and and looking into so yeah yeah small parcel hunting uh is awesome i've killed one deer that was on a 33 acre place um and uh yeah you know it's more important to be in the right place than on the big place i guess is what i'm trying to say
0: yep and i always tell my friends i'd rather have the right 20 acres than the wrong 200 you know
1: Mm -hmm. exactly exactly awesome Awesome man. Well Bryson, thank you so much for coming on. I really enjoyed it. Um do you want to give out any like social media sites or anything before I let you go?
0: Oh man, uh other than G five, I mean they helped me they helped me seal <laughs> the deal, G five and elite. <laughs> All, right. All
1: right, cool, man, cool. I, well, I'm glad you had me on, man. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh well, congratulations again on a two bucks season. And, uh, man, it's almost summertime. It's almost scouting time already. So get out there and get after it. And, uh, yeah. Yes, sir. We'll, we'll talk to you later. All right, buddy. Well, we'll see you. There we have it, folks. I'm not sure what happened with my audio there. Uh, we had some technical difficulties before we started, recording and uh, Bryson sounded fine but for some reason me with my nice professional microphone sounded terrible so I apologize for that but still a great episode a lot of good information out there and uh, I want to thank Bryson again for sharing his stories with us really cool both educational and entertaining so I love it when those two things come together and work out like that. Like I said, thank you guys for joining us this week. Another great episode in the books. I appreciate it. Lots of stuff coming up, so be sure to stay tuned. And until next week, I will see y'all right back here on the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast.